Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Classroom Matters with me, your host, Christy Hool. I am thrilled to sit down today with Tim Gore, who is a colleague, but also a good friend. He is the executive director of the Educate.Today organization, which I know that you've heard me reference because it's a wonderful organization filled with tons of web-based resources for um, all of your students and teachers. So you'll have to check that out uh, after this episode. Welcome, Tim. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me, Christy. Having you. It's like we see each other all the time, but now we actually get to sit down and talk about something. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) I know. So we're going to talk a little bit today about the flipped classroom. A lot of people refer to that as blended learning. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording about how people are really doing this quite often. They just might not actually be calling it the flipped classroom. I would agree with that. I think people, when they start looking into what flipped learning is all about, they may say to themselves, oh, I've actually been doing that for a couple of years, or I did that 10 years ago. Because it really is about best practice, right? And there's a lot of examples of how we're already using flipped learning. You may not have taken your entire classroom and decided to flip it entirely, but in specific ways, you probably are utilizing the techniques. So give us some examples, because you just said something that made, okay, you take your whole class and you flip it. So give us a, a like a you know, 10, 20 second definition of what is, what do people mean when they say flipped classroom learning? Well, to a large extent, flipped learning is the idea that you kind of rearrange the kind of concept of where homework fits. Uh, homework is all about practice, right? Homework is all about the ability to like a student to be able to take the information that they've learned in class and make it really work for them. Um, and so what a flipped learning environment does is say, I'm the expert, I'm a teacher, I'm an expert, I should really be mentoring you through that homework. I should help you practice those kinds of things. And so we should be doing that kind of stuff in class and the material that leads to the homework, so to speak, the fact that you need to read these chapters of the textbook or you need to watch this five minute video or I need to explain something to you, that's something you could do separately. You could actually do that on your own at home at night with a group of people, whatever the case would be. So then when I'm with you for 45 minutes or if you're lucky enough to have a, you know, a, an A-B day kind of situation and you've got blocks of time, 90 minutes, we're actually able to take my strengths as a teacher to help mentor you in this area and work through what is the practice part of really understanding the work. Mm-hmm. And you worked as a middle school, high school teacher, so you're really talking from experience of working in that kind of a setting. That's correct. I was a high school speech and debate coach for a long period of time as well as a social studies teacher, and then I switched to middle school and was a teacher of the gifted. Um, and so that is where my experience comes from. And I was always excited about the fact that I should be spending time in class with kids, helping them to understand what's really going on with what I want them to learn, as opposed to just feeding them information. Mm -hmm. And to a large extent, it reminds me of what you do in an athletic coaching situation all the time, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm on the basketball team or whatever, then the coach is actually with the kids and he's with them practicing the basketball drills and giving them feedback on that to make sure they're doing it appropriately. And that's what we would obviously do in the debate environment. I'm watching them debate and I'm helping them with that. Information that they would need to know about the process of debating and that kind of thing that basic stuff they could read or watch a video on and then ask me questions, let's talk about it, let's have you start talking and practice and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And you can do the exact same thing in a social studies class or a mathematics class, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times as a teacher, aren't you kind of looking at the clock, especially if you're middle or high school because you only have the kids, what, like maybe 45 minutes, 50 minutes at the most? And how much of that time is the kids coming in and getting settled? I mean, there's five minutes right there that you're losing at the beginning of class and sometimes at the end of class. So, you know, probably more so in middle and high school, you've only got a very small amount of time. And so to use that time 
to actually delve into conversations and discussions and dialogue and less about, okay, I'm going to tell you all these facts or I'm going to show you this 40-minute video. Well, by the time you show the video and they leave and come back, they may not even remember what they even watched. Exactly. So, like, I'm in a world history class and we're talking about, you know, Renaissance artists or whatever the case would be. There's a lot of ways to familiarize themselves with who was Titian and who was Raphael and who was Da Vinci and who was Botticelli and all these good folks. I could have them watch a video in advance of that and then let's come to class and tell me what did you notice about these mm -hmm. people's work and what do you, as a result of discussing the kind of paintings that Botticelli did or Titian did or Raphael did, what does that tell you about what Renaissance art was like? What were the mm -hmm. characteristics of Renaissance art? What was the color that they were interested in? How did it differ from medieval art or whatever the case would be? So you bring that information too because you've had the chance to see the examples in advance. If I'm spending the time in class showing them all the examples of all these artists work, well then we don't need, we don't get into that kind of conversation where it really becomes their brain clicking into gear and helping understand it for themselves and for each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's safe to say that we're sort of moving away from the teacher being in front of the class and the kids all just sitting there because we're realizing that kids don't learn like that. Kid, not all kids learn in the same way at the same pace. So, and I also, you know, I want to let our listeners know folks that are already doing this and are doing a great job of it or folks that are maybe like, okay, I think I want to give this a try. This is not something that takes up a lot of time and a lot of planning. It's really kind of a mindset of teaching, wouldn't you say? Yes, it is. And I think you should, obviously it's always great to start with small steps. There's no reason for you to think yeah. about doing this as my entire classroom. Right. I've got to flip everything. Right. No, you can, start, <laughs> you can start in small steps for sure. But think about examples of where you've done it both as a learner and as a teacher. Think about like when you're, you've been in the classroom, let's say it's a language arts or literature class and you've read a novel, you've read To Kill a Mockingbird. Supposedly, everybody read a certain chapter, right? And then the next day you came in and you discussed that chapter. Well, that's flipped learning. Mm -hmm. I guess you all could have read it in class, but what good would that do? But the teacher and the conversation needs to be about is what you're learning as a result of trying to dissect what Harper Lee's doing in this book. And the same thing could apply with quadratic equations or with isosceles triangles or whatever. There's certain information that you could learn in the video, like here's the basics of what a quadratic equation is. Now let's come to class. Ask me questions. What did you not understand mm -hmm, in that mm -hmm. video about the quadratic equation? All right, now that we've had that conversation, let's work some quadratic equations together in class mm -hmm. and help each other, pair kids off. Let me walk around the room and help you do that kind of thing. So I'm actually getting you to hopefully feel comfortable about the fact you're doing this math mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the, the quadratic equation thing because it's not, it doesn't just apply to videos and reading. It can apply to really anything, right? Yes, I think so. Videos, reading, any number of ways that you want to look at it. Your subject matter can easily fit in this mm -hmm. into this mode. What you're really doing is saying, I want to take the time where I have kids in class with me, and I want to utilize to their fullest advantage what my expertise is, and that is helping them understand what it is I'm trying to teach them, right? Mm -hmm. So I need to work th with them on the quadratic equation. I need to figure out where their problems are. Sure, they can go home and they can practice, they can do the homework on their own, but if they haven't had time with me to figure out what they're doing right. wrong, to actually the, ask you questions. Right, then the homework, like, all the homework's going to come back yeah. incorrect. Yeah. So let's take the time in class to try to avoid incorrect homework, so to speak. Right.
Yeah, I, th I just think it's a phenomenal process and actually a pretty easy thing to structure when you think about it. I mean, sure, if you wanted to, you could even go the whole nine yards and say, I'm going to take this 20-minute video and I'm going to create one. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do a little bit of lecture or I'm going to tell kids about this kind of thing or whatever. But you could do that kind of organization with, I want them to watch this video. I want them to read these pages from the textbook. I want them to think about these five things or whatever. And I want you to do that this evening. And that's what your homework is. Mm -hmm. So you come to class prepared tomorrow. And then you hold them accountable for being prepared, obviously, because that's part of what you're mm -hmm. going to do in class is you're going to dive into that work. Yeah. And if you're having the kids engaged and you're actually in a conversation with them and facilitating and mentoring, I'm pretty sure you're going to see a lot less discipline issues because I'm sure that you saw this and I definitely saw it as an elementary school teacher and principal. Usually the kids get themselves into trouble when they're sitting and listening to the teacher go on and on. The teacher's sort of forgotten about even what the kids are doing because they're, <laughs> you know, they're giving their 35-minute speech or presentation on boring facts. Hey, wait a minute. This is, the best, uh, this is the best lecture I've ever given in a classroom environment. How come little Tommy's back in the room Right, sleeping? and kids, get they get bored and they kind of, because they're not really engaged. They're not talking to each other. They're not, like, involved in the process. And so they get squirrely. That's correct. Especially at the young ages. Um, they get squirrely and they start to get themselves into trouble. So I'm assuming that teachers are going to see a lot less discipline issues when they are engaged, having kids sort of run the show, which is really how it should be. Right. They, ideally speaking, you want the kid to be in charge of their own learning as much as possible, mm -hmm. right? You want them to take ownership of their learning and see that it's valuable and it's entertaining and it's enjoyable and I'm actually getting something yeah. from it. And it's also, I mean, we hear all the world talking about 21st century skills. It's also about getting kids to work in groups together. Mm -hmm. This is the way the real world's going to work when they get out into the work environment. Mm -hmm. The boss is going to expect them to be familiar with something so when they come in to work the next day, they and the team can get together and really get their teeth into it, right, and actually work on it, which means you're going to have to have done a little mm -hmm. prep work. Well, that's exactly what I'm asking you to do. Do the prep work in advance so we can get our teeth into it mm -hmm. and really thrash around in it and get messy, so to speak, um, to learn. That's the exciting part of it. And so it is really doing. And kids are going to be much more interested and engaged when they're doing than when they're sitting, when they're thinking and talking and responding than when they're just listening. And they're probably not listening. They're probably just hearing or they're probably just aware of the wah, wah, wah the Charlie of the Brown Charlie teacher. Brown teacher. <laughs> exactly. I hope I didn't sound like that. I'm, I'm sure I'm though, sure I we never kids. did, Christy. I'm sure there was never a child in any of our classes going wah, wah, oh, of course wah not. toward Of us. course not. <laughs> So in all seriousness, though, I know that we're kind of joking around a little bit about behaviors, but they do happen. And so talk a little bit about some of the challenges. We've kind of talked about all these great things about flipped learning and the flipped classroom, but there really probably are a few challenges, especially with teachers just getting started. Well, I think one challenge that people immediately think about, oh my gosh, this could be really too disconcerting, is what happens if the kids have not done their prep work in advance. I mean, if the kid doesn't do his, his or her homework, well then I've already taught them the lesson right, and they're kind of like left to their own devices, and they get punished because they don't get, get their homework done. But if they don't do it from the other perspective and they're not prepared, then any number of things could go wrong. And I understand that fear, but I think once the kids see that once kids realize that what we're doing in class is meaningful and purposeful and it makes sense that I have done this stuff in advance to get to this point, they will do it. You should hold them accountable for their work. And maybe that means they all have to do a think-pair-share at the beginning of the class so you can actually observe whether or not they're saying to each other something they learned because they watched it last night. Or maybe the conversation begins with everybody needs to share one thought about whatever. Or maybe they just write down one thing so you can look at that later if you feel the need to do that. Because once the system gets going, they will do the work that they 
they need to do and, and to prepare themselves for. So I think that's one challenge mm -hmm. that people worry about. I think a second challenge is how much of this do I need to do to be a flipped learner? And again, as I mentioned earlier, you don't have to go to the whole world of like, my whole classroom's gonna be flipped and I need to create a 20 minute lecture that's gonna be on videotape for kids to watch. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense at some point in time, well then go for the gusto if you want to. But think about it being in small increments and how you do it. And then it also means that you've really gotta think about the way you manage a classroom environment. Because in some instances, they're gonna be working in small groups and you're just walking around the room as, you, as they facilitate their own conversations and learning. And in some instances, you wanna be able to pull them out of those small groups and say, now let's talk about this. Or I was just walking past Tom and Sarah's group and they were saying this, what do you all think about this? So you really have to think about your classroom management ability. But again, kids who are focused, kids who are involved in the experience, will respond to you quite quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. And so I want to go back to one of the first challenges you, you talked about, um, getting the kids to do it. And, you know, a lot of kids just don't do their homework regardless of what kind of learning it is, whether it's blended learning or just do this math worksheet, whatever. Um, but don't you think that with the day and age of cell phones, especially this being geared towards middle and high school, that it might be easier to overcome that challenge because it's not like you're sending kids home with a binder and, and papers and worksheets and busy work and saying, now complete this, and they have to sit down and do it. I mean, my, my kids have cell phones at, you know, middle and high school, and if, if the teacher said, you know, hey, watch five minutes of this, it can very easily mm -hmm. do that with their headphone in their ear, with their cell phone in the car, going here, going there, sitting around, very easily can get five minutes of a video or 10 minutes of a video on the go. Right, and using a device they're already gonna be using anyway. The kids exactly. are gonna be on their cell they're phone already, it. or it's they're gonna tethered. be on their laptop or whatever. That's correct, that's right, by golly, don't leave home without it. never it. leaves their that's side. That's correct, and so, they're going to be using that device anyway. Right. And they also, they come to school and they don't have much of an excuse. When you say, hey, <laughs> you could have accessed this on the Educate.Today website. Did you like that plug there? Thank you, kind For of all of our resources. Very I nice know, they're fantastic. But Aren't you soup smooth and subtle? We really do. In all seriousness, on the Educate.Today uh, website, we have tons of great resources for this exact um, style of teaching. So, you know, let's say you want the kids to go and watch a, a two-minute segment or a three-minute segment or a five-minute segment. And they come back to class the next day and say, well, I didn't really. You know they had that cell phone. Correct. So that's my next question is, okay, little Tommy, you didn't have your cell phone last night? I know you did because I've seen you on it this morning. So you really don't have an excuse at that point. I also think the parent becomes a, an even greater ally for you than with homework. One of the difficulties that parents always, I think, have is that, to be able to help my kids with homework, I have to understand what they're supposed to be able to do, which means I need to know new math, I need to understand quadratic equations, right. or whatever. And in this instance, mom and dad and the kid could sit down and watch the video together to get the base of information that the kid's then going to talk mm -hmm. about in class tomorrow, do something with in class tomorrow. So in some ways, I think you can really utilize this strategy to make parents much more of an ally for you. Mm -hmm. Sit with your kid, realize what they're going to be learning about the next day, what we're going to be discussing the next day, what questions pop into your head that maybe you want to have a conversation with them about as they watch this two-minute video or this five-minute video mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. And I think as we're talking about challenges, I'm sitting here thinking about the challenges for teachers in the sense of they have to be on top of what they're asking the kids to listen to or read or be involved in the night before because as you said earlier, they have to be the facilitator of the information. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and right. if they haven't watched the video themselves, they're or in trouble. They are, they are. And, and that's, 
could be a change for the way some folks have taught, especially in the realm of homework or instruction. They're sort of instructing and teaching as they go a lot of times, mm-hmm. sometimes in a pinch. And I get that. I was in the classroom for, you know, bazillion years. You were in the classroom. Right. So it happens. But if you really want to truly implement this, you have to sort of be on top of what you're asking them to do because you really can't guide and facilitate if you haven't gone where you're asking your students that's correct. to go. And I think that's obviously what we want good teaching to be, right? So this, this system actually, I think, could inspire people to think about their practice and really to think about what do I need to be to be the most effective teacher possible. I should have known all this material. I should look at this material because kids are going to ask questions about it. And now you're actually facilitating mm-hmm. that with them. And, and obviously, it's really cool from the perspective of kids could watch different videos on the same subject, bring different perspectives mm-hmm. to share with each other. So I like it very I like much. It. I'm a happy camper. I, I wish I was teaching still. Well, and I think most it's people... Exciting. It is exciting, but I don't think people should think about this as like the reinvention of the wheel or anything. This is something that you have been doing Mm -hmm. in different shapes and forms somewhere in your practice already. And now they've just put a name to it. They've attached a name to it now. Mm -hmm. And some people have said, maybe you should do even more than you did before. No, figure out where it fits in your environment and do it successfully. You'll like it. So will the kids. So we've talked a lot about public school, homeschool. We have a lot of listeners that are homeschool based. How does this fit into the homeschool day? I think it's really wonderful for the homeschool day, especially when you think about the kids to a large extent are probably somehow maybe even more independent learners in a homeschool environment than they're in a classroom environment. So I think this could be really effective for them. You want them to develop that. That's one of the reasons they're probably being schooled separately is that you want them to definitely be their own best learning and be in be independent. So I think it works very effectively. And especially if you send them to our site and say, look, we're going to be talking about, you know, weather. And we need to underst- you need to have a basic understanding of what, what humidity is or how a weatherman makes a forecast. So let's watch a couple of these videos, and then we'll do our own weather station, and you will eventually develop your ability to forecast weather too. But let's see, first of all, what does a meteorologist mm-hmm. do kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. And I would agree with you. I mean, being a, a homeschool mom myself, it's, it really, that's really what we do all the time. But like you said, we never really called it anything. Mm -hmm. And it really truly is because we have the flexibility for, and especially with me, I have children in all three different areas of their education. I have a high school or a middle school or an elementary school. And they can, they really truly can watch a couple of different segments out of the same video and, and come ready, you know, whether it's over lunch or an afternoon social studies time and just really have a good conversation on all different levels where they're kind of teaching each other and guiding their own learning. Yes. So homeschool parents and teachers that are out there listening, right? Well, parents and teachers, you're kind of one of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, look at some of the resources that, that we have to offer on the educate.today website. It's, it's mind blowing. Yeah, I Tim. Think I, oh, wow. Look <laughs> at you, little miss PR marketing woman. That's Christy. Cool. She That's suddenly right. become a public relations <laughs> officer. But thank you for that unsolicited. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. You, you're so kind. But no, I think that's very true. And and obviously in a homeschool environment, you have the flexibility that works for you mm-hmm. in a lot of ways that a classroom teacher doesn't. And so use that to your advantage. And I think this flipped learning structure really helps you do that. Yep. Tim, thank you so much for coming on today's show. It's just a joy. Not that I don't see you enough, but, you know, to be able to sit down and have a a conversation about some really good best practices. Um, I know teachers are really kind of hungry for this kind of stuff. You know, they want to hear about new new methods and and new teaching styles that maybe they've been trying or they want to move it around a little bit or something new for them. So thank you. Thanks for stopping your day to come and chat with me. My pleasure. Thank you, kind lady. No, I had a great time. We should do this again. We will. Okay, cool. Don't worry. Um, We've got a plan. 
Uh, and don't forget, all of you listeners, uh, we appreciate you. And go check out all of the resources that we spoke about today and many, many others at the Educate.Today website. This is Christy Hool, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>